Welcome to the Awaken Podcast. We are so happy that you have decided to join us. Hopefully, you will find the next few minutes challenging and refreshing as we consider together how God is asking us to respond to His grace. If you are listening because you are unable to join us at our physical location, thank you for keeping in step with us, and we will look forward to seeing you in person next Sunday. If you are joining us from outside of Anchorage, then please drop us a line and let us know where you are listening in from. We would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you are exploring faith for the first time or just trying to figure out what Awaken is about, please don't hesitate to drop us a line and introduce yourself. We welcome any question you might have about life, the Christian faith, or Awaken Church. May God be with you as you listen. Well, Levi gave me permission today to take a pause from um, the series we've been going through talking about uh, the potency of the Word of God throughout the ages, throughout history, um, and to kind of give you some vantage points um, that I've observed, um, that I've discovered about the church and, and how it relates to a particular character in the Bible that I'd like to talk about today that I feel led to talk about. But before I get to that, um, I'd like to recite a poem to you. Um, that's right, a poem. Um, it's about to get weird. No. <laughs> Let me recite a poem to you. Um, two roads diverged, I think it's familiar, I think a few of us know it. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel them both. I'd be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then taking the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that, the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. I saved the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever be back. I shall tell this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled. And that has made all the difference. Robert Frost penned that poem in the autumn of 1914, which is crazy because that's actually the year my grandpa was born. He was pretty old. Um, In the year of 1914, though he was an American poet, Frost spent a good deal of his time across the seas in the distant country of England, where he would live on the countryside and take many, many strolls through the very uniquely Um, wooded groves there. Undoubtedly, traveling hundreds of miles by foot and by pen alike. Uh, There's a lot to this poem, and there's people, some people will say, you know, the emphasis of the poem is about the I took the road less traveled, and that's made all the difference. Um, Some people will say that the emphasis is actually on the fact that at the end of our life, uh, we rationalize our decisions. Uh, (laughs) And that one sounds a little bit more dismal. Um, But setting those arguments aside, I think that this poem has reached such familiarity, um, such renown, because Frost taps on a chief human struggle, a question, simply, um, which path do I take, and how on earth do I know it's the right one? 
In other words, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? That's kind of the question that I would like to base some of these uh, culturally pertinent vantage points off of today, um, because that's a question of direction. And I believe that you in the seats, and me up here, and the folks watching with us online, whether they're at home or elsewhere, should all be, as the church, um, asking those very types of questions, because people who are moving ask questions of direction. It's impossible um, to live a life indwelled with, empowered by Christ, and to remain stagnant. Stagnant. Uh, that just doesn't work. So, um, I'd like to talk to you about a person in the Bible that I think you'll also be equally familiar with, um, who faced the same type of questions um, as many have, and the same type of scenarios that we just talked about um, through the poem as we look into the life of Abraham. Abraham. Um, and the choices and the questions he had, and, and actually where we're going to be finding him today, his name isn't even Abraham. Um, talk about an identity crisis. Um, it's Abram. Um, so I'm excited to be here today and talk about that. I'm glad Levi is here. Um, that, you know, I had to go to the car and scratch out all my jokes um, about him. It takes us down to about five minutes today. So, <laughs> okay. So I want to read for you from Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, I don't think it's, there, there's a moral quandary of whether it's wrong to steal a Bible. Um, I snagged this one from the front because I brought the wrong one like a chump. <laughs> okay. So let's read Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance of things that we cannot see. Through faith, the people in the days of old, and we're going to be talking about one of those, earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand, and I'm going a little past the screen here. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So as we go into the life of Abraham, the first um, reality that I think all of us face, and if I were to um, cast a vision of um, you know, the common questions and experiences that we go through, um, I want to talk about Abraham and his call to go. Um, Abraham and his call to go. Now we're going to, I know I just read a bunch, but I'm going to read a much shorter verse um, from Genesis chapter 12. So um, if you look up on the screen there or turn with me um, to Genesis chapter 12, and then we'll really get the wheels rolling here. Genesis chapter 12. Here it is. And the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. With the emphasis being on that first verse there, go to a land that I will show you. Abraham, um, a man with a life, as uh, hopefully all of us are people with lives today. Um, we're alive at least, right? Um, 
He's a man with a life, possessions, relationships, um, things that would otherwise tie him down. Um, I think we can talk about these people from the Bible and tend to just make it like, man, he was like sculpted to do this. Um, he just he got the calling, boom, go. Um, no, he was a person with dreams, kind of a wacky dad that picked him and his brothers up and took him in a tent to Haran. Um, but he had people and responsibilities and relational ties and, and a life. And I think we can all relate to that. But one day, um, Abraham is approached by this being um, that he has most likely been taught to worship his entire life by God, who calls him into a very unknown, uncertain situation. And the first thing he asks of him is that he would leave home. That he would leave home. A lot's been said about that word home. Um, home is where the heart is. You can't go home again. Home on the range. <laughs> I knew I'd get you with that one. And uh, I think that when we entertain thoughts of this idea of home, um, that there's really two ideas um, two words that I would associate with our general understanding of what we mean when we say that word home. And the first one is familiarity. Something you can expect. Something you can control. Or at least hold on to. Your history. And the next word that I would associate with home is intimacy. Where you can entrust a, a space, a place, a person. Where you can entrust your emotions where you can be vulnerable to love. Abraham was called to leave home, but it wasn't just a physical thing. Um, it was an emotional and spiritual thing to leave everything that he knew, the security blanket of the life that he had lived. Um, and I believe that as Christians, as those who are called to go, uh, we are also called to um, step out of familiar places, but also spaces emotionally. Um, and mentally, not just physically. It was so much more than a physical move for him. It's so much more than a physical move for us. God never really asks us to um, leave home completely behind. But he calls us to place our idea of home in his presence. I remember recently... Um, I left Florida after graduating and drove all the way out to the booming um, state of South Dakota. And uh, I lived in a cornfield, um, basically. I lived out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and it was just me. And that was the first time that I had done that. But the one thing that I knew was that God called me to do it. And you, you really learn a lot about yourself when you're no longer required to, like, um, do your laundry or um, wash your dishes or um, live any way otherwise than a mongrel. Um, you learn a lot about yourself. But what I experienced in those times when I left home, and I think the thought that I'd like to tap onto as we relate to Abraham today and cast a vision um, for what we're called to as a church 
when we leave what is familiar, we don't always leave it forever. God uses it to pull away insulation of possessions and relationships that otherwise would keep us from being touched um, in an unfamiliar way by him. And I used to think that being unfamiliar with God in any way was a bad thing, but the reality is is there's a lot of us that are unfamiliar with God um, in a lot of different ways. And he calls us to leave those familiar spaces so that he can pull it back and touch you in a new way. And if I could say one thing about Abraham's calling to go, it's that it was a calling um, to God. The calling to go the calling to God's presence. Psalm chapter um, 63. I read this and I thought, man, your steadfast love is better than life. Your steadfast love is better than life. When you leave what's familiar, uh, when you step out in faith, when there's no longer insulation to otherwise cover you from that interactive space with God, Um, his presence, the opportunity is there for his presence to become um, sweeter than life. I have found that to be true. And as we progress through this winding story of Abraham's life, or Abram, um, as he's called at this point, um, I'd like us to dwell on that idea of stepping out to God to take our heart, you know, the Christianity is this never-ending calling of displacing our heart from what it knows into the presence of God. Displacing our heart from what it knows into the presence of God. And so Abraham was called to go, we are called to go, and certainly there's multiple reasons why we're called to go, and so we can tell people, um, but ultimately so that we can know him. What is he calling you to maybe leave behind today. I don't, I don't know your situations, um, but it's possible. There's someone in here. My next vantage point that I'd like to tap on is an incomplete knowledge. So he says in Genesis chapter one, um, into a land that I will show you. Um, I don't know about you, but to uproot my family and my possessions and um, all the servants and employees and the people that depend on me and the situations that I am involved with, um, to go to a place, man, I'm wanting to be able to at least Google Maps it. Um, I'm wanting to know where the destination is and how long it's at least going to take to get there, um, but I, I don't know what the conversations looked like between God and Abraham that we don't see on this page, but what we do see is God calling a man from Haran um, to a very unknown land. A very unknown land. Um, and it was a journey. And there wasn't a lot of knowledge. It was an incomplete knowledge that was provided for him. But he went. And there's something interesting there, I think, that we can glean as Christians. Um, It's really easy to make God's promises to us about what he wants, about, about what we want him to do for us. It's really easy to make God's promises to us about what we would like things to turn out to. Um... 
But this calling of incomplete knowledge, this calling um, that Abraham received, that's very much like the calling that we receive as Christians is one saying, hey, I don't actually have to know everything. Um, you're, you're so good. Your, your presence is sweeter than life. Um, I'm so in for you that you don't have to give me all the directions. I'm yours. I'm yours. It's really easy to gauge God's love for you based off of how much he tells you, as opposed to basing his love for you off of how available he is to you. Um, we don't always know uh, what's going to happen, but we can always know um, that we have not a high priest that is untouched by our human experience in such a way that allows us to go boldly before the throne of God whenever we want. And so as I look at Abraham and this incomplete, um, this incomplete knowledge that was given to him, this nebulous plan to move all these people and possessions across to some unknown land, I see great faith, of course, but I also see um, a relation um, between my often calling from God. Um, I, don't, I don't know what's next, but I know he's available. And because I know that he's available, I know that he loves me. And if I know that he loves me and that he's available, what else is there? If he's called me, I'm going. So we've got Abraham's call to go. We've got this um, incomplete knowledge. And I wrote down another psalm here. I call upon you. This is 17. I call upon you for who will answer, for you will answer me, O God. You incline your ear to me. You incline your ear to me. Um, We have some friends, the baby that I mentioned earlier. Um, They just had a baby, and she's super cute, and we watch pictures and videos pretty much every day, Um, and it's wonderful. Uh, The process up to them having the baby wasn't, um, you know, all that wonderful at times, um, and I just thought that was really interesting. You know, we're, we're talking with them. This is their first kid, and we've never had kids, so clearly, you know, we're experts and giving all of our advice. <laughs> um, but they're going through these uh, challenges of um, what life is going to be like, how they didn't expect this, um, how the body is changing, how their relationship dynamic is about to change big time, how they're about to be parents of a little package of love. Um, And I thought, man, there's a lot of planning, and there's a lot of uh, worry. Um, There's a lot of preparation physically and mentally and emotionally that goes into having a baby. Um, Nine months of it. Um, And it's not always just nine months. Uh, There's uh, those those, uh, danglers um, that hang around. (laughs) And I thought, man, if God were to tell me everything that he did nine months in advance, I would be a wreck. If God were to tell you everything that he was going to do uh, for the next nine months, um, life wouldn't be livable. Uh, In his wisdom, he's given us that with babies. Um, But man, to know everything the way that I would want to know it, That would be a burden. And so the thing that I like about that verse from Psalms 
is that he inclines his ear to listen to me when I pray. You know what um, not having all the answers is? It's an invitation to a conversation with God. He says that he inclines his ear to you. You know what that means? It's like when you're having a conversation and someone, what you're saying is so interesting that they actually shift their um, body in a different way so they can hear you better. He inclines to hear you. Maybe the best thing um, that God could do for you is provide a need, give you a need of not knowing what's next so that you'll pray with him. So you have a conversation with him. That could be the greatest thing that happens in your life. Not knowing the answer, but knowing that you can pray. And that could be something that changes about your life today. Maybe you're not a prayer. I've noticed that when life gets hard, we pray a lot more. Shouldn't be that way. Um, He's real, and he wants you, and he's there. So maybe if you are facing an unknown today, Maybe God put me up on here on this stage to remind you that he's waiting for you to talk. And when you run out of words, um, he inclines to you. Don't stop praying when you run out of words. Wait. Wait for him to speak. I think you'll be very surprised at the way um, the whole thing turns out. So we've got the call We've got the incomplete knowledge. And the last vantage I want to talk about that I personally relate to for casting this vision of our cultural um, questions that we should be asking if we're going in a direction. Um, The next thing that I wanted to look at is that he lived, Abram, he lived as a foreigner in a land of promise. So God made a promise to Abraham um, he made this promise to him that he would you know, have this land and have these things and have, have this blessing and this nation and these descendants. Um, but then he shows up to a different picture. And so if you'll turn with me or look up on the screen um, to Genesis chapter 12, again, um, verses 5 through 8. I just want to read this last part of the text. And then, uh, and then we'll be pretty close to down here. So Genesis chapter 12, verses 5 through 8. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, all the people that he had had into his household at Haran. He headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, man, that's a big fast forward. When they arrived in Canaan, Abraham traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up a camp beside the Oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abraham built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abraham traveled south, set up a camp in the hill country, with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Okay, um, so he's, he's now traveled this distance. He's made his peace with the fact that he doesn't know everything. Um, he's answered the calling, and he gets there, um, and the promise is a foreign land, and there's people in it. And he has to live in a tent, not a house, 
or a castle. I would have been showing up expecting something different if I had been promised a land, um, not to be showing up to someone else's land. Um, and that space, that mental space of wrestling with the reality that we're kind of in a tent indefinitely, um, that was a serious thing. And as I was reflecting on this and reflecting on where we are and where the church is here in Anchorage and um, the greater church as a whole with questions of what do we do next and are we doing the right thing? I was thinking about, man, sometimes we, we expect God's promises to be something else um, and we show up and it's a tent. Sometimes God calls us to live in a tent. And we wrestle with that. What happens when his promises lead to something that we didn't expect? You see, um, we have this tendency to believe um, that his promises are what we want as opposed to just believing that his promises are his word. Um, And that's where the power comes from. It's believing that his promises are his word. But Abraham had a choice. He's now in this foreign land as a foreigner living in a tent with everything. The stakes could not be higher for him. And he could have gone home. He could have gone home. And we don't know um, how many people maybe God had asked before Abraham to go. Ever thought about that? Maybe he was the first. It's possible. But what if he was the one that said yes and didn't turn around? I think we face very similar situations today when God's promises are not exactly what we expect. You know, um, Bethel is the word for dwelling place of God or God's house, and Ai is the word for ruin, and I'm not super into symbolism, but I think stuff is included in the Bible for a reason that Abraham was between ruin and God's dwelling place, and he had a choice. And what did he do? He didn't build a house. He didn't turn back. He didn't take control and say, I'm going to do what I thought this was supposed to be. Instead, he said, I'll live in the tent. And he built an altar and worshiped God. And man, maybe there's somebody here today um, that God's promise was just uh, not what you had envisioned. And you've got a choice to build a house or build an altar to cut bait or worship God in the unexpected, in the unforeseen. Abraham made the right decision. And all God has ever wanted is presence uh, with his children, uh, making those decisions uh, when they otherwise could have ran away. I'll end with this. Um, All of these things that I've mentioned, these vantage points, um, the calling to go, the incomplete knowledge, the um, living as a foreigner in the land of promise, they all sound really hard. Sounds like a lot. 
But in the beginning of Hebrews, when it referred to this very situation, it described those things as faith. And faith, faith isn't hard, it's a choice. Life is hard sometimes, and sometimes God calls us to situations that are harder than we would have expected, but in those situations, we have the choice to have faith. And that's what set Abraham apart, is that in all of this, he had faith. And there's all these promises swirling around. You're going to be a great nation. You're going to be, um, you know, uh, have a father of all of these descendants. But let me tell you the greatest part about Abraham's story. The greatest part about Abraham's story is not that he had a lot of kids. It's not that he was a great nation. It's not even um, that the line of Christ came through him. The greatest part of Abraham's story was that he dwelled with God. And he may not have woken up in a palace. He may not have woken up in um, a beautiful house in the promise. He may not have had everything that he had otherwise planned to have that God had promised him. But when he got out of the tent, when he stepped out of the tent, God was on the other side waiting to talk to him. And as we sit here today, as we wrap up our Sunday... Man, things are not as we always expect them, and we're constantly, we should be, asking the question, what should I do? You've got a choice to make. Trust God. Trust God. Have faith in the word that he's given you. And dwell with him. That can be true for you today. And I pray that it is. Um, I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to have a video. Um, Lord, I pray that this word, which is your word and not mine, um, enlightens us and gives us a new perspective, illuminates our hearts. Thank you that the greatest thing we could ever do is be your child. We love you, Lord, and uh, we ask you to bless our Sunday. Help it not to just be an uncommon occurrence, um, but help us to carry Sunday into the rest of the week this week. May we give you the praise and the glory. And we're so glad we're not the people we were. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come and let one who desires take the water of life without cost. You're dismissed. Thank you again for listening. It is a joy to be able to share God's truth with you. Hopefully you found this teaching helpful to your understanding of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's world. And hopefully you are inspired to take a further step of faith. Please let us know how we can be praying for you as you continue your journey. If you live in the Anchorage area, you are welcome to join us any Sunday. And we have an Awaken 101 event every six weeks. And this is also a great way to find out more about our church. 
please sign up for that event by going to the events tab at our website, awakenalaska.com, and looking for Awaken 101. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends, and we will see you next week.